I remember thinking, we're going to get kicked out of this church. They're going to throw us out. Someone's going to come and grab us and escort us to the door. And and that was the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, my fear was that they were going to call the cops and the cops would be the one throwing us out and, and, and maybe throwing us in jail. I, I still remember saying as as forcefully as I could, Darren, Reed, get out of there. Now, I didn't yell it because I didn't want to draw any more attention to us than, than maybe was already happening. So so in a in as loud a whisper and as forceful as a, a whisper as I could, Darren Reed, get out of there. This th- this was serious. I was serious. Any moment now, someone's going to show up, take notice, and they're going to march up to us and escort us out of here. Out of here. The the whole situation was my fault, and and certainly I was going to be the one held responsible. I was. I was serving as youth minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at Calvary Christian Church. The year was 1983, and and I'd taken a couple high school students, Darren Strother and Reed Bryant, to New Orleans on a day trip. Now, now I look back now and think, what was I thinking, taking high school kids on a day trip to New Orleans? But 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 I did, and and so we we went down to New Orleans, and we. We went to a theater that was just outside the the French Quarter and watched the Jaws 3D movie. I I I, I, I will always remember watching that movie with those guys with the 3D glasses on. And and when the movie was over, we strolled out and strolled into the French Quarter. Now we really didn't go into the French Quarter so much as we went uh, down to the river, down to Jackson Square. I, I remember walking over. If you ever been to downtown New Orleans, you'll know this. I remember going over to. Cafe de Mont and having some beignets and 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 then strolling into Jackson Park and watching uh, watching the the stuff that went on. There there were people there painting. There were people there uh, doing juggling and uh, a magic trips and and uh, trying to get you to buy things. And and then we made our way. I had, this again was not a, a wise decision on my my part, but we made our way to the other side of Jackson Square to St. Louis Cathedral, a, a grand old Catholic church. Uh, everything, was, everything was going well at first when we walked in. You could, you could sense the history. You could sense the majesty of the place. It, it felt kind of in an interesting way like a holy place. And, and I remember standing there somewhat in awe, looking at the architecture because it was, it was beautiful, and appreciating the, the beauty and the thought hit me. I wonder if Darren and and Reed are are appreciate, appreciating this just like me. So so I took my eyes off uh, what I was looking at and turned, and they were gone. And and I began to to look around, kind of scan the church, trying to to find them. And and that's when I heard it. And you never want to hear this when you've taken a couple high school kids to a old uh, majestic Catholic cathedral. I heard giggling over in one corner, and so I, 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 I followed the sound of the giggling, but I still didn't see them. And I finally got to one corner and realized where where they were. Uh, on on one side, Reed had stepped into one of the confessionals. As bad as that was, that paled in comparison to Darren, who had somehow found his way into the side where the priest would go. 
and he was hearing Reed's confession. Now, I don't know that he really was confessing, but he should have been confessing uh, that, that he was in the confessional in the first place. But, but he was in there. Then, then I, heard, I heard something like this, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And then I heard the response from the priest, Priest Darren, say, Sorry, no forgiveness for you. You're going to hell. And followed by more giggling. And that's when I said, Darren, read. Get out of there. I envisioned the headlines of the Baton Rouge paper the next day. Local youth pastor arrested for desecrating St. Louis Cathedral. I finally was able to get them out, uh, more giggling, but get them out of the confessional and, and grabbed uh, an arm on uh, uh, both of them and escorted them outside where then I could yell. Then I could let them know what I, 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 I thought. And I said, I said to them, what were you guys thinking? That's a holy place. Uh, one of them, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them kind of looked at me like, like I had two heads, like they didn't understand it all, and said, it's only a building. <laughs> only a building? I, I went into a rant, into a tirade, trying to explain to them how they should respect a holy place like that and and finally after my best round one of them said well calm down dude and they walked away giggling some more it uh it took me a couple moments to do just that to calm down uh and and when i did the depth of what they had had said began to sink in now i didn't admit this to them but in a real sense they were right it was just a building now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't, I don't suggest taking high school kids to Catholic cathedrals, letting them play in the confessional. That's that's just wrong. We we should respect the places that are set up set aside to the the worship of God. We should respect them, just as we should respect our own church building. Uh, but, but they're just buildings. The, these young men probably understood better than I at that moment. That what needs to be holy is not brick and mortar, but our own lives. So, so today we're going to examine another concept that answers that question, what can I be? Uh, last week we looked at the idea of being a student. Uh, and, and as we looked at it, we realized that it's commanded, that it's valuable, because when we're a student of God's Word, it gives us direction and discernment, development, and then we kind of finished up saying that, Surprisingly so, it's actually easy to be a student. We don't, we don't have to make it hard. We just start out small and, 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 uh, and do it uh, uh, some way. Just find something to do. So today, we're going to look at that idea, what can I be, and see where Scripture tells us to be holy. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew back in front of you, or in the, in the back, there's some under the seats. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 13 to 16, and you're going to see the call, the, the challenge, the command, if you will, for us to be holy. There it says these words. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy. Now, now let me pause there before I finish the last couple phrases of that verse. 
just as he who called you is holy. That's that's where we tune out, I think. That's where we shut down. That's where we like, nope, that's not me. Because if if he's holy, there's no way I can be that. And and so oftentimes I think we disconnect from this idea of holiness because if holy is Jesus, if holy is God, then I'm not that. But but notice what it says, for just as he is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, now the problem with holiness, particularly when we see it in Scripture like this, the problem with, with holiness and that whole concept is, is this, is, is that we tend to want to assign it to something or someone else. We want to assign holiness to something or someone else. We think that being holy is out of our reach. It doesn't apply to us. It's a concept that's too grand for someone like me. So so we look at a place that's dedicated to God. So so we look at a place like like a cathedral or a church and we say, well, that is holy. Or or maybe we look at a few select people that 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 are special like let's say Mother Teresa or Billy Graham and we say they are holy. But but we don't seriously Consider this command of holiness for us as real or practical or obtainable because it's something else. Holiness, though, is called for us. Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, says this. When I think of holiness, I tend to think of monks in a monastery or nuns in a convent. I wonder if if you don't do the same thing. Both of these ideas, he says, while accurate to some degree, miss the true concept. To be holy is to be morally blameless. It is to be separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. The word signifies separation to God. That's really what holiness means, to be set apart, to be separated. And the conduct befitting those who are separated. So way back in 1983 in New Orleans, I was technically right. Uh, St. Louis Cathedral, just like Troy Christian Church and First Baptist Church of uh, of Troy and, and the Methodist Church and the Catholic Church, they're, they're holy because they're places that are set apart, they're consecrated, they're separated in service to God. But the real idea of holiness is when we are set apart, when we are consecrated, when we are separated in service to God. What can I, what, what can I be? Well, I can be holy. Now, now I hope at least one person here this morning, maybe one person at home watching or or, uh, or listening to this service this morning, I, I hope for at least w- one or two of you that that that's, that sparked a little bit of interest, that sparked an idea in, in your mind, like I, I can I can be holy. Now, now if it did, you're you're probably thinking. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to the chase. I'm gonna fast forward because because if you thought that your next thought's gonna be this, it's gonna be well, well how. How, how can I be holy? Because if God's holy and I'm called to be holy, how in the world can I get there? Uh, I don't know if you realize or not, but but the three verses that we read prior to verse the 15 and 16 that talked about holiness, that we need to be holy, I don't know if you realize it, but those three verses uh, before, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it's written, be holy as I am holy, those verses gave us a map. They gave us a blueprint 
of how to be holy. So let's take a, a quick look, a crash course on how to be holy. Look at look at verse uh, verse 13 in this text. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. That's the first thing it says. So the first step in being holy is by is by preparing. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. The Greek word uh, for for prepare your minds literally means to gird up your loins. Uh, King James Version puts it that way. You probably remember reading that. Wherefore, gird up your the your loin the loins of your mind. Now that may not mean much to you. Well, what's it mean to gird up your loins? But in biblical days, the 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 ones that read this would have understood exactly what he's talking about. It was. Uh, a man of that age taking up his robe and pulling it up and tucking it into his belt so that he could he could be more active. So if if he needed to uh, to to, uh, to start picking up rocks or or to work in the field or, or 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 run for some reason or get down on the floor and play with a grandchild, you would would take the folds of your robe, tuck it into your belt, gird up your loins so that you had more freedom to do what you needed to do. The, the message version puts it this way. It says, so roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. It's the idea of doing something to prepare for action. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. It's probably something that, that you've done or said uh, or had said to you when, when you've asked for help before. M- maybe you, uh, you were outside and you needed some help, and so you came inside and hollered to your dad, Dad, can you come outside and help me? And, but Dad was sitting in the recliner. His shoes were off. And, and when you go, Dad, can you come out and help me? Your dad said this, which really is, is the same idea of guarding up your loins. Your dad said, well, let me get my shoes on. Or, or you called your dad because you, you, uh, you slid off the road and got stuck in the snow. And you called your dad and said, Dad, I'm stuck out here on the highway. Can you, can you help me? And your dad says, I'll get my truck. Or, or you have a plumbing problem. And uh, you call to your dad and say, man, my toilet is clogged and I can't get it unclogged. And your dad says, I'll be right over. I just have to grab my tool. Or you fall down and skin your knee and, and you holler to your mom. And, and you say, mom, I've, I've, I've skinned my knee. Now, if you, were, if you grew up in my age, your mom probably said, well, I'll get the, the iodine or the mercuricone or the uh, uh, hydrogen peroxide. Uh, most of you kids don't know what that is. You are blessed to not know what that is. It actually was something they put on your skin to make it hurt worse than falling down and skinning your knee in the first place. That's why our generation was tough because we didn't, we never called for mom, or rarely did because she was going to hurt us worse. But, uh, but also remember that blow, mom, blow. <laughs> so nowadays it's I'll get the first aid kit or I'll get a band aid. Uh, it's the idea of of of. Girding your loins of getting yourself prepared. The first step to holiness is deciding that we want to be holy. Last week we talked about being a student of the Word. Being a student of the Word will not happen unless we prepare to do it. See, it doesn't happen unless we actually read God's Word or listen to God's Word or somehow connect with God's Word. You can have you can have a dozen Bibles scattered about your house, uh, in, in your bedroom, in your living room, in the kitchen, in your car. You can have Bibles scattered all about your house, but if you never never have a plan to open them, you're not going to suddenly become biblically literate. Uh, you will not be holy unless you prepare to be holy. And it says, it says that we need to gird up 
the loins of our mind. We need to prepare our minds. The, the, the word for mind there is moral reflection. So, so we're required to give some reflection, some thought, some time, uh, or some effort into being holy. So unless we seek it, unless we seek holiness, we're not going to have it. So be prepared. How, how can I be holy? The second step we, we see in the next part of verse 13 where it says, Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The second step is by patience. By patience. I, I, I mean patience a little bit differently than what you might think. Because what it really is saying there is be self-controlled. Now, uh, interesting again, the Greek word for self-controlled literally means sober. So so what it means is not drunk. So, so if you were a parent of a teenager in biblical days, you would say, you better be sure and stay sober or not drunk. You would use that word. So it literally means to not be drunk. So so raise your hand here this morning if you have never been drunk before. No, no, hang on. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't I don't want to embarrass anyone because some, some parents might be looking at some kids like, why well, is your hand not in the air? You know, so some, and that, that's just uh, looking at their adult children maybe, but uh, well, my hand's in the air, isn't it? I've never been drunk before. I have never been. So let's do this. Let's do this. I want everyone that's ever been drunk before to move over to this side of the church. And if you've not been drunk, move over to this side. Okay, I'm just kidding. I don't want to. Don't want you to to do that. But but catch this. If you according to this verse, if you've never been drunk before, you're holy. Sorry, Bobby. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. They're holy. Oh, they're holy. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie's moving over here. So, <laughs> so, so if if we had done that, if all the people that had never been drunk had moved over here, we would have the we'd have our own little club on this side. I know some of you are feeling very uncomfortable sitting on this side all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, um, but but we'd have our own little club over here. We're the we're the holy ones because we've never been drunk before. You, you ever see those fake Facebook posts that say? Uh, 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 I, I dare you, or something to that effect, to, to, to repost this, and it says, "I've never had a, uh, never had a tattoo, or I've never, uh, never had a speeding ticket, or I've never got drunk." I've seen those. I've, I've been tempted to repost those, but I don't do that kind of stuff. So, uh, but I could, I could. Well, well, for our our holy group over here, I got some bad news. It's not what it means. Now, now that's the literal interpretation. That's that is the right word: sober, not drunk. But, but as you might guess, the word, the word had taken on a, an expanded meaning where it meant it, it meant that, but it also meant something else. That and the NIV captures it perfectly when it says, "Be self-controlled." I had a funeral uh, several years ago for a guy that was from Wallace, Missouri. I don't remember his name, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you. But but he lived in Wallace. I'd never met the guy, but I knew a couple of his sisters. Um, when uh, when when I came home um, after I found out I was doing I, I made some mention because his, his nephew was my son Joel's best friend. And uh, so I mentioned to Joel that, hey, I'm doing a funeral for this guy. And, 
And I remember Joel, and he was in high school at the time. I remember Joel looked at me and said, well, Dad, Corey always said he's the town drunk of Wallace. Uh, when I met with the family, a couple sisters and a couple brothers, when I met with the family, and, and we kind of talked about the service, and I said, well, tell me about, tell me about your brother. And, and just about every story they told me started this way. Well, he was drunk one time, and then they told the story. Now, a lot of those I couldn't tell using the, the service, but, but everyone started out. He was drunk one time, and there were some hilarious stories, by the way, uh, and the best one, and I did actually use this in the service. I asked permission, and they said, everyone knows him. So uh, so I actually told this story. They said he was drunk one time, and his friends convinced him to go in and milk a cow. The problem was the cow was a bull, and it did not end up very well. Now, that's not how he died, by the way, but 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 it's my understanding. Now, now us holy people, we don't really know this for sure, but we've heard stories that when you are drunk, that sometimes you're not in control. That's what we've heard. Uh, see, the, the, the word e- evolved to me more than just literally drunk. It, 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 it evolved to meaning in control. Uh, see, see, when someone's been drinking, we say don't get behind the wheel because you can't control it. Uh, we... We assume, I've heard stories that sometimes people, when they get drunk, say things they wouldn't otherwise say. Their tongue gets loose, and they might become really super honest, uh, or they might use words that they, they wouldn't use otherwise, or or they might do things that they wouldn't have done before. They hear stories. I did I did that? <laughs> really? So, so we lose control. Now, if you want to be holy, what it's saying here, and it uses that terminology, we want to be in control. Now, now this passage isn't talking about alcohol. This is not a teetotaler sermon. Uh, th- there is application there if you want to want to take it, but but it's telling us that we need to be in control because when we lose control, when we lose control of our mouth, or we lose control of our attitude, or we lose control of our Facebook posts or our tweets, or we lose control of our anger or our thoughts. We are not holy. When we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to sanctify us and change us to be like Jesus, when when we have control, consequently we are holy. So how can I how can I be holy? The the third step, and it it kind of ties back into the first one. The third step is by by planning. It, it says there in verse 14, um, uh, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires that you had. Do not conform to the evil desires that you had. Now I skipped, excuse me, I, I skipped ahead of one. Now i got to find my place. Oh well. Let, let, let me go with the next one. I've, I've lost the, the text on. But but the third step is is to plan, is to plan. How many of you have ever have ever planned for something? In, in fact, specifically right now, how many of you are looking forward to something? Looking forward to something. Let me give you an example of that. How many how many of you have a vacation plan? Maybe this maybe this winter sometime or this summer you're planning on going to a beach somewhere. You're going to Florida or. Or, or to California, going to beach some, somewhere, or, or maybe you're planning a wedding, 
and hopefully if you are, you've got a, a, a guy or a girl to, to be a part of that, but you're planning a wedding, or maybe you're planning a graduation. Uh, I know we have some graduations coming up, and you're planning that, or maybe some of you are planning a a, a big purchase. You know, in a in a in a couple weeks or in a couple months, you are going to you're, you're going to buy something, maybe a, a new car, a new house, or or something like that. Maybe you're planning a con to go to a concert or an event. At least we hope that happens. And, and at the very least, some of us are are planning on next Saturday or next Sunday. The Chiefs are going to play their first playoff game. See, when we have something that we're looking forward to, we think about it, we plan, we count down, we make preparations. It becomes our focus. One of the ways that we become holy is to plan to live in such a way that looks to the future. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be yours when Jesus is revealed. When we plan for the future, see, we plan for the future, it affects our the activity of our present. L- let me let me illustrate this way. If you're planning a trip, uh, maybe in February or March, if you're planning a trip to to Cancun, it affects your present. You're 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 probably buying swimming suits. You're probably certainly made preparations, airline tickets, and 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 booked a resort. You're 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 thinking I don't want to get sunburned, so you're going and tanning so that you have a little bit of a head start. You're you're buying snorkeling gear. Your 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 future plans, what you're looking forward to, affects your present. If you're if you're getting married, sometimes soon, like I said, you find a guy first. But but it, but if you get married, you you go and you pick out that perfect dress and you you find the perfect venue and then you plan out the meal and which must include free diet coke for the minister, by the way. And see your future. Your future plans affect your present. When we look, when we look to the future of being with Jesus, it affects our today. It affects how we live now. And finally, the last step: How can I be holy? It's by following a pattern. It's by not letting the pattern be wrong. Look at verse fourteen: As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. The Greek word for conform is the word su schematizo. Uh, The Vine's dictionary on uh, Greek New Testament words says this, it's to fashion or shape one thing like another, but it has a special meaning as to what is transitory, changeable, or unstable. What su schematizo literally means is don't let your outward actions, your thoughts, your reactions, to conform to those things around you or those people around you. Romans 12.2 uses that same word when it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we look like the world, then we're not being holy. My... My granddaughter, Isabel, has a problem with conforming. She, she actually needs to make a choice. She needs to make a decision. She, she, literally, is a, she literally is a definition of Sue schematizo because she can't decide. See, when she's around us, when she's back uh, up here in the Kansas City area, when she's around Grammy and Pawpaw, especially in the summer, 
she will put on a Royals t-shirt and she will say, I'm a Royals fan. But when she's in Springfield and she's hanging out with her grandpa Paul, who was raised in St. Louis and grew up a St. Louis Cardinal fan, she wears St. Louis Cardinals gear and says to him, uh, mistakenly so, that I am a Cardinals, Cardinal fan. See, see, the reality is she conforms to what's around her. Now, my, my prayer is that someday she'll be holy and know that she should be a Royals fan. But, but if you go to school and you talk and act like everyone else, when you go to work and you act and talk like everyone else, when you hang out with non-Christian friends and you act and talk like everyone else, you aren't being holy, you are conforming. One way that we reach holiness is, is we don't get pressed back into the mold of the, the way we used to think. Back into the mold of, of what used to drive us. Back into the mold of what the world is around us. Instead, we begin to look like Jesus. What, what can I be? I, I can be holy. See, it's a choice. I can choose to conform to Jesus instead of what's around me. See, we can be holy by preparation, getting your minds ready for action. We can be holy by being patient and by planning and by making sure our pattern looks like Jesus. Chuck Colson, as we finish here this morning, in his book, Loving God, tells this story. He said it was a quiet December night on Ward C-43. That was the oncology ward at Georgetown University Hospital. He goes on to say, in room 11, a man lay critically ill. The patient in room 11 was a man that a lot of people knew. His name was Jack Swigert. Jack Swigert, a lot of you would recognize that name, piloted the Apollo 13 lunar mission in 1970. Swigert had been elected as congressman uh, to represent Colorado. He would never actually get to do that because cancer, the great leveler, had now waged a waged a deadly battle on his body. With, with Swigert that night in room 11 was a quiet visitor. The visitor was sitting in the spot that he had occupied almost every night since Swigert had been admitted. His name was Bill Armstrong. Armstrong was a U.S. Senator from Colorado, one of the, one of the most powerful men in all of Washington. He headed one of the most important committees uh, in the Senate and and he was a busy, busy man. But he wasn't visit, visiting that night as a politician. Armstrong was there because he was a friend and a committed Christian. As he sat there, he pulled a chair up closer to Swigert's bed and leaned over and said, Jack, you're going to be all right. Jack, God loves you, and I love you. He said, Jack, you're surrounded by friends, and, and we're praying for you. You're going to be all right. He then took out his Bible and began to read in the book of Psalms. And he, he opened to Psalm 23. And, and as he finished reading the last words of that famous psalm, he noticed that the ragged breathing of his friend had suddenly stopped. He called for the nurse, and she came in and confirmed what he thought. His friend Jack Swigert had taken his last breath. Politicians are busy people, Chuck Colson says. But it never occurred to Bill Armstrong that he was too busy to be at the hospital. 
he was doing what he knew God wanted him to do. He was simply being like Jesus. He was being holy. Would you bow with me? Father, it seems seems ridiculous that you tell us in your word to be holy. Because our our model, our example is you and, and your son Jesus who was sinless. It seems like there's no way we can obtain that. And certainly we can never be sinless. We can never be perfect like you. But, but Father, you call us to, to attain holiness. You call us to live, live sanctified lives. So, Lord, today help us know that we can be holy. As we set ourselves apart for you, as we separate our lives to reflect you, every time we're like Jesus, we're holy. Father, just give us those opportunities. Remind us. Point them out. Lord, bless us with those those chances to be holy like he is.